Hi, homies. This is a bit of an emergency episode. I have just managed to get the lovely Paula Brown on the show, who is the president for Americans for Homeopathy Choice, as well as Laura Held, who is the grassroots director. Now, there has been all sorts of things going on in America at the moment, with the FDA trying to do all they can to limit the availability of homeopathy in the States. So I've had a lot of messages from people asking what is happening with the FDA Um, and what this means for homeopathy. I am not the expert in this area at all. So I got somebody on the show who is. So the lovely Paula has agreed at very short notice to come on and have a bit of a chat. We've got a big time difference between Texas and Western Australia. It's almost 11 o'clock at night here. But I am quickly going to be editing this episode and getting it out there for you guys because Americans for Homeopathy Choice need loads more members for their homeopathy action team or HAT. Now, this is your opportunity to really help the survival of homeopathy in America. You can find out more information at www.homeopathychoice.org forward slash hat. And if you want to sign up for a free membership, you can go to homeopathychoice.org so you can be notified of any news. And if you would like to make a once-off donation or a monthly donation to help them pay for the lawyers that are working so hard to, to keep homeopathy accessible to everyone in the States, then definitely visit homeopathychoice.org where you can also donate. So I hope this episode is helpful. The deadline for joining the HAT team is the 13th of December. It's the 10th of December here at the moment in Perth. Um, So you've only got three days to join this team. So Paola will be sharing more information about this in this episode. So thank you so much to Paola and Laura for your time. I really appreciate it. And for everyone in the States, this is your chance to really make a difference and and keep homeopathy alive for our children and our grandchildren and beyond. Thanks for listening. Hello, homies, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangouts. Today, we have a very special episode. We have gathered up the incredible one and only Paula Brown, the president for Americans for Homeopathy Choice. And we also have the lovely Laura Held here, who is the grassroots director for Americans for Homeopathy Choice. Hello, ladies. Hello, hello. Happy to be here. So thank you so much for this short notice gathering. Um, I just literally messaged Paola this morning. I was still in bed. and I was like, let me just quickly check with her if she can come online. She's like, yep, let's do it. And um, there has been a frenzy in Facebook land at the moment and all across America with the FDA's uh, shenanigans that they have been trying to push through. I mean, it's been going on for a few years, but things have really started heating up. And I mean, we don't celebrate Thanksgiving here in uh, Australia, but I believe a lot of this actually happened over one of your, you know, most important celebrations over in the States. So very, very sneaky of them. But can you just tell us what is going on at the moment? Is homeopathy illegal in the States or what on earth is happening? Okay, yeah. So um, I like to say, guys, if listening, that Laura is the left brain of homeopathy choice, and I'm the right brain. So you've got the full brain here <laughs> on the episode. So Laura, help me out here, but you know, feel free to chime in. Basically, FDA in 2017 released a policy document. And just keep in mind, you cannot change a law or make something illegal using a policy document. A policy document is just a statement of your of the agency's interpretation of the law. And so that's why they call it a guidance. And this guidance document was in draft form for five years. And in this guidance document, they say a lot of things. 
Um, but the most concerning thing that they say is um, that homeopathic medicines are now in this category called unapproved new drugs. And they've never said that before. They've never said that. They actually explicitly said the opposite. And they're saying that homeopathic medicines are now being illegally marketed. So this is not a legal law that they've passed. So homeopathy is not illegal. But they're saying this is our interpretation of the law, which has a very similar effect, wouldn't you say, Laura? Yeah, some would say it has a chilling effect on the industry. And of course, it can be challenged in court, although being a guidance document makes it presents difficulties challenging it in court. And we won't get in that, into that part of it too much, but. Yeah. I mean, because it's a policy document. And so it's like, it's, it's difficult to bring to court something that's not even official. It's not even a, a legal statement, you know? So it's like, you're supposed to bring legal issues to court and, and it's just a policy statement. And this is a generic problem going on in Washington, DC. A lot of agencies are releasing guidances that contravene the law. And that's how we interpret this is that this, this, policy statement goes against the law. And we can explain more about that if you want. Yeah, we say that because in 1938, Congress included homeopathic medicines as a separate category of drugs. And that might be something new for listeners is that in the United States, homeopathic medicines are actually considered drugs. Um, but they didn't include them. They, they included them as a separate category in the homeopathic pharmacopoeia of the United States, not in the United States pharmacopoeia. And so we like to say that Congress enshrined the right to choose homeopathic medicines. They were protecting uh, Americans' access to those to make sure that manufacturers uh, would manufacture those properly, label them properly, so that we know that we are getting safe quality medicines mm -hmm. when we buy homeopathic medicines in the United States. And so that was back in 1938 and FDA always, um, their policies always adhered to that. Uh, and now for the first time in history, like Paula said, they're considering them unapproved new drugs for the purposes of their enforcement. And, mm -hmm. and we even found the smoking gun. We did a lot of research. We did a lot of Freedom of Information Act requests where if you're not from the U.S., it's where you you can actually get documents from the agency. Sometimes they have to redact things, but, you know, you can get documents from them. And, and um, we've just been doing a lot of digging with FDA historians. And we found the smoking gun where FDA literally said the off opposite, that the law gives... FD, um, the law gives no pre-market re approval requirements to homeopathic medicines. And so this is a 180 degree shift in policy and in interpretation of the law. And, you know, agencies are not supposed to reinterpret the law in a way that wasn't intended. And that's exactly what's happening. And we found proof that that's exactly what's happening. So, mm. I mean, how do you even go and find this information? I, I, it must be a nightmare, like wading through these documents. I've just done like a little bit of research here with the TGA in Australia for some things that I needed to do for my business. But it's so hard finding the information that you need. And they use so many technical terms and you really have to work hard to get this type of information. Like what sort of hoops would you guys have had to jump through to get access to this? Well, first you need a Laura and a Holly. <laughs> <laughs> Laura and Holly's one of our legal attorneys um and she's amazing and both those girls just love to read really boring stuff. 
<laughs> where like my eyes will glaze over and I'll just be like, give me the highlights guys. And so they will, you know, but yeah, they, they just um, have read different articles and in particular it was the footnotes, right, Laura, that we read and these footnotes kind of tipped us off. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, just digging, digging, digging. Um, our, our, our first at- attorney who passed, um, he uh, has quite the legacy here in the States, um, making acupuncture needles legal. And, um, he always told us this is, you know, he always told us this, but we could never find confirmation of it. So Mm. we just kept looking, we knew it was out there and Mm. we just started to find it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So homeopathic medicines do not need to go through the same approval process that, Mm drugs need to go to. So in the United States, it's actually kind of a really interesting history, Jeannie. Um, they had this, you know, the, it's very sad. They had the um, thalidomide scandal in the 50s. Mm-hmm. And then I think before that, they had the other scandal, um, sulfil, 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 sulfamate, something like that. Yeah. Elixir solidified or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> right. So basically, babies were getting born with deformities. And so mm-hmm. Congress got up in arms. And they basically said, you know, we need to make sure that the drugs that we're releasing actually um, have benefits that outweigh their risks. Mm. And so that's when they really, in the 70s, right, Laura, is when they really released the the new drug application, 60s. So it took them 10 years, but they released a new drug application process to like measure these these things. And at that time and, and throughout the years, they have affirmed this process is not appropriate for homeopathic medicines. Mm-hmm. They said that we, you know, and they have like the over the counter drug review, which is a separate process. And time and again, we have evidence of Congress saying, you know, these processes are for the chemical pharmaceutical mm-hmm. drugs. It doesn't apply to homeopathy. And so that's so concerning about today is suddenly boom, these rules and these, these procedures that were designed for chemical pharmaceutical drugs are now being applied to homeopathy. And there's two problems with that. One, um, it costs millions of dollars to approve even just a component of a drug, not even the complete drug, just a component of it. Mm. And then on top of that, even if homeopathic medicines had that kind of money, you know, because homeopathy in general is not patentable because these are natural sources and existing substances. So even if it had the money to go through that, that approval process wouldn't work. It's like trying to fit a, a square peg in a round hole. It mm. won't work. We have a completely different system of medicine that's highly individualized to the person and their symptoms, not the condition name. And, um, and you know, FDA had that institutional knowledge about homeopathy for decades. The man who put homeopathy in the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, Senator Royal Copeland, was a homeopath. So, um, so you know, they had that institutional knowledge both in Congress and when once the FDA was created there. But um, it's been lost and that's where we come in. <laughs> wow. I just, I mean, the, the, the craze, the level of crazy of all of this is just so surreal because homeopathics have been used safely for over 200 years with not one single recorded death. It's just seems so laughable that they, you know, that they're coming after homeopathy like this. It's just it's so absolutely abs- absurd. There's actually just no words for for this um and so incredibly unfair so i mean would you suggest that people go out and stock up on their homeopathics like what do you what do you feel people should do right now 
Yeah, that's definitely a top question I get, Laura. Um, I don't know about you, but like, which one should I buy? Which one should I buy? And really, unfortunately, FDA's categories are so vague and overbroad that they've narrowed down their enforcement priorities because they they tried saying like, oh, these are the categories that are going to be the most riskiest. But when we analyze those, we told FDA and Congress, these categories are so broad that they've narrowed it down to literally all homeopathic medicines. Mm-hmm. Um you know, as examples, FDA has given Nux Vomica, you know, and other um, remedies as examples, but it doesn't narrow it down to any of them, really. Mm. So Laura? is there... Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I personally, I haven't stacked up anything on anything. <laughs> so there's that. I am trusting that um, the work we are doing will be effective and... And I don't have time to stock up. (laughs) I haven't either. I I stocked up right when this hit back in 2017. Um, But actually, ironically, like I already had my order in. So it wasn't like I was really stocking up. Um, And since then, I haven't either. I haven't because, yeah, we're going to be successful. And and here's the thing. It's so important that we're successful, not just for homeopathy, but on on a broader scale. We need to live in a world and we need to have governments. I don't care what country and we need to have governments that protect our freedom to choose. Mm. And this argument about homeopathy is really generic about freedom and about access to things that work for us. Mm. And we cannot you know, people will say, let's stock up. That's not sustainable. You do not want to live in a government that bans homeopathy because that government is going to be doing a lot worse. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, homeopathy is just one thing, but once, you know, they start taking that away, then, you know, what's next? Um, So really this is a fight for natural medicine overall. And just like you say, choice, freedom of choice, especially for something that's natural and safe. And, you know, um, it's just quite, unreal but this is a fight that you guys have been ready for for several years now Paula and uh, I mean incredibly you've had so many signatures in such a short period of time even though it was one of your most major holidays you know that was that was up so tell us a little bit about how you managed to do that well they do it all the time over the holidays. This isn't the first holiday they've ruined for us. It was Christmas in 2017 when they released this. And then was what was it, Laura? Christmas again when they denied our first citizen petition and revised the guidance. Is that what it was? It was that was that was October. Um, but then last year we had um a letter that FDA sent in response to Congress. There's just always something over that when, whenever something comes out it's over a holiday and i'm i'm not a really like conspiracy theorist person i try to talk myself out of some of those things like someone messaged me the other day like i'm having a hard time getting my remedy from the uk do you think it's fda and i'm like it's probably the holiday mail mm. like i try and like talk myself out of like if there's something very logical that could really be the reason for it you know i do that but like it's been a pattern they keep doing it over the holidays and I really think, I honestly think that they're trying to get us asleep at the wheel. Mm, mm. And we have never been asleep at the wheel, not once. Mm. So like, you know, figure it out, guys, we're awake. <laughs> Absolutely. And do you feel like this is something that's going to happen overnight where we're just going to wake up one day and then suddenly there's going to be no homeopathics available? Or do you feel that there's a little bit of time up our sleeves? 
honestly, I, I don't know about you, Laura. I, I almost wish that they would do something that drastic because when it's drastic, people wake up, they get activated, they're mm-hmm. contacting us and they get all of this energy. That's what's happening right now. And it's amazing. But FD is too smart for that. You know, I remember being in Sunday school where my teacher uh, talked about this Bible verse that about the flaxen cord and she got this little soft string like a flaxen cord and she wrapped it once around my fingers and I could just break it so easily. Right. But then she kept wrapping it and wrapping it and wrapping it to the point where, you know, I tried my hardest because I was like, kind of, I'm going to be so strong I'm going to show everyone. And I couldn't, I couldn't break it. And that's, I believe the approach FDA takes is kind of warming that water little by little until suddenly we're having a lot of problems. And I think that's going to be their approach because people like to fall asleep. People like to get comfortable and think everything's okay. And that's where Mm -hmm. I was actually before this guidance came out. Laura and I have had the best week ever. Before this, this guidance was finalized this week, I was freaking out. Because I was like, we need to have a much larger homeopathy action team. We opened enrollments to our grassroots team earlier this year. We got a lot of enrollments, but it was not nearly enough. I think with the people that left and the people that stayed, it was like we we maintained our, our size that we had mm-hmm. last year. And I just thought, this is not good. We need to flood our grassroots team. We need to flood Congress. Mm-hmm. So when this happened all of a sudden people are energized and I'm so thankful. So that's why it's been such an amazing week because this is what we've been needing. Right, Laura? Exactly right. Yeah. Um, we've been preparing for this since the beginning. And and that kind of speaks to your question too about how we got the signatures. It's, you know, we've, we've established ourselves for quite a few years and we have um, our systems in place. And um, so, yeah, we and- have, Right. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead, T- Laura. Tell them why why we don't think it's going to disappear overnight. Tell them about how the guidance they were already applying the guidance and forcing the draft form of the guidance. Now that it's finalized, you know about how not much has changed since they released the the draft. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not much has changed at all. The, so the original draft came out in 2017. They revised it a bit in 2019, October, 2019. And then now they've released the final version and it hasn't changed much. Although from the 2017 to the 2019 version, it kind of had a, a interesting change where it was defined as all products labeled as homeopathic. Um, and they changed it to narrow in on homeopathic drug products that are in the homeopathic pharmacopoeia. So it was almost like they were narrowing in on the genuine products out there. So that was a bit of a concerning change. But overall, um, not much has changed since that original draft. And once they came out with that 2019 draft, they rescinded their their decades-old policy. Um, And so they actually started using their, their new interpretation that homeopathics are unapproved new drugs. They started using that for, for the purposes of enforcement. We saw it mainly, and this is not a surprise to our attorneys. We saw it mainly affecting products at the border. Um, FDA has a lot less discretion at the border. If it's an unapproved new drug, then, um, then it's, they're less likely to let it cross the border. And so we were seeing an uptick in issues at the border um, and yeah, uh, that's, that's primarily where we're seeing issues right now. And, you know, F- there, FDA has a huge jurisdiction. They are, they are the food and drug administration. 
So they have jurisdiction over food, drugs. There's a lot of products out there that they have to oversee. I mean, dietary supplements alone, there's, um, I mean, tens of thousands of products. And so, um, because, because they have to take action on a product by product basis, it's not like they can just come in and say, okay, all homeopathic, anything labeled as homeopathic, uh, gone has, you know, off the shelves, they have to go on a product by product basis. Um, but they don't necessarily, they don't need any other reason other than the fact that it is an unapproved new drug, Mm. because that means it's illegally marketed and that, and they have, we've seen that in previous enforcement actions, that that's the only reason they gave was we are blocking this because it's an unapproved new drug. So some people will say a couple of things, like a couple of counter arguments that we'll hear sometimes from the community, because people really don't want to believe that this is as bad as it sounds. And so some people will say, well, the FDA says in their guidance that I don't have it in front of me, Laura, but you know, most of the medicines won't be under many, many of the medicines won't be um, affected by this. So a few things I, my, my, my response to that is number one, nothing limits the FDA from sticking to their word. This is just what they're saying. This is empty promises and nothing about like, just because they put it in their guidance, this is not a legal document. They're not, they can enforce according to what it says or not. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that really comes down to, you have to trust the FDA to believe that statement. So that's the first thing. And um, uh, some others will say, well, what Laura was saying is true that they have to go on a product by product basis. And some will say, well, they even have to take that product to court in order to make that happen. But we have, you know, maybe in some way that is true. So I'm not denying that. However, we've seen the FDA avoid that whole process altogether. And you think they don't know they can't avoid it. So one example is press releases. All they have to do is do a smear campaign on any one or a group of products. And we saw that happen before with other companies. And and um, and one of those companies actually ended up selling because of the smear campaign and impacted their company so much. And then um, another way they avoid kind of that, that product by product legal process is what Laura just said at the border. There was a company um, and it's still around today and it's still, you know, it's, it's managed to survive, but they had a whole group of medicines that were being imported from an FDA registered facility in Germany. So, you know, to be legal in the United States, you have to manufacture an FDA registered facility. That's why we always tell everyone support the FDA registered pharmacies. So that would be Boron, Alois, um, Washington Homeopathics, Hahnemann Labs, Ohm Pharma. If you're a practitioner or student, you can order from them. You know, these are great pharmacies that we have to support because their cost for producing is so high mm-hmm. and um, and their overhead is so high and they're not selling medicines for very much. So we really want to buy from the ones that are keeping it legal. Mm-hmm. So anyways, and this company had a FDA registered facility in Germany. So FDA actually goes out and inspects them and they were importing wonderful medicines. They'd been used. Tell, tell them the stats of how safe these medicines were, Laura. Um, well, they've been used around the world for 60 plus years. And um, the data from the U.S. for the last 20 years is that they've been used 300, <clears throat> excuse me, 325 million times. Wow. Uh, with just a single adverse event report. That's it. One. Incredible. One. Yeah. That's it. So a pristine, incredibly safety record. And we have that record, right? 
And so when they were importing, FDA blocked these medicines at the borders. And what reason did they give? This is an unapproved new drug. We get to enforce this. Wow. That company ended up taking FDA to court, which we thought was awesome of them. We think that's important to push back. Then we even were sitting there listening to the briefing, you know, because it was during the COVID time. And so it was all online. We were listening to it. And one judge even said, so these don't have a safety issue. They were asking FDA, well, these don't have a safety issue. And, you know, FDA like tap danced around that question, but mm -hmm. yeah, no, they're perfectly safe. It has nothing to do with safety. It's simply the language in the guidance is so draconian that it, and, and in the end, this company did not get their medicines. They could have continued pursuing the court case, but it just got so expensive that they just had to decide, you know what, we need to just re you know structure what we're selling and and stay stay afloat but they lost like what laura 60 percent of their revenue a ton of staff 40 yeah. percent of their revenue a ton of staff yeah. it was just wow and, and these are dominated by small businesses and so if you, if you know if people say like oh fda says most will be fine do you want just most mm -hmm. do you want just to keep most of your medicines because last time i checked when i needed a specific remedy, like I'm, I keep using the example pyrogenium, which is getting harder to find. You can find it, but it's getting harder to find. If you want pyrogenium because you have an infection, you need, guess what? Pyrogenium, mm. not belladonna, mm. not heap ourselves, but pyrogenium. And so do we want just most? And then do we really think that the FDA doesn't know that there's these other methods of getting these medicines off the market besides going to court? You know, they're going to avoid court just like you know, anyone else wants to avoid court. And that, and that brings up another point that we've been um, discussing is that the, the guidance doesn't just, is the, the FDA isn't the only threat here. There's other implications to this guidance. Um, and that is this, the ability for uh, these manufacturers to survive in this uh, environment, because it's not, a, it's just not a sustainable regulatory approach to have to have a policy that doesn't say how you can be on the market, but how we're going to take you off the market. Mm. Um, and so, uh, you know, there's a there's an increased uh, risk of uh, more lawsuits against manufacturers and retailers. Um, we've seen that as well, even before the guidance was finalized, we've seen lawsuits where they are using the FDA's new interpretation, they're using this lawsuit that Powell just talked about, they're leveraging all of that in lawsuits against these manufacturers. And that's that those are very difficult to withstand. Because think about it. If a drug out there is being illegally marketed, what other reason does FDA need to pull it off the shelf? Or if you're going to go into a lawsuit and and in the lawsuit, you say this person took this illegally marketed drug that didn't help them. Mm. It's, it's a done deal. It's so it's real. And then we have retailers, you know, there, there's just a lot of problems that this is happening, you know, indirectly, um, you know, the FDA's inspections of homeopathy manufacturers have gotten very intense. You know, they used to inspect them hardly ever. Normal manufacturers of just conventional drugs get inspected, you know, maybe once a year. Our, our manufacturers are reporting just they're getting inspected multiple times a year very stressful inspections. The tone of the inspections have gotten, you know, so there's a lot around this beyond just this guidance document that's now finalized that is impacting the market. And so, yeah, like I'm glad people are scared. Laura and I have been concerned for five years, this whole time. And, 
And, you know, if this is a wake up call, good, because it has been like this the entire time. So yay, mm. fun, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so Paula, what can people do to help? Because like you said, sometimes it's a good thing that these things happen. It's kind of like a, you know, like a boil or something that's just come to a head. And it's a good thing because we need that for healing. So the boil is ruptured. What can we do now to help this heal? Where can we go to from here? What can people do to actually take some action, get their butts into gear and stand up for homeopathy for not just now, but for generations to come? Yeah, there's a ton of hope. Let me just review like everything that we've accomplished to this point, just to give you guys an idea that the consumer voice and the voice of the people is actually who runs our government. Okay. And, and that, and as long as you can get this energy that everybody's having organized, then we have hope. And so thanks to Laura and this amazing team we have at Homeopathy Choice, we actually have an amazing structure, but leading up until now, we were able to hold off the finalization of this guidance. FDA usually releases a draft and then they finalize it. We got them to revise it and we held it off for five years. That bought us time to be able to really organize Another thing we did is we were able to set up and create amazing training for our grassroots team, the homeopathy action team. And we've had members that have been working the homeopathy action team for a while now. And this, um, we, we actually were able to get a letter from Congress sent over to the FDA. It was a very bipartisan letter signed by, what was it, Laura, 25 members of Congress, 13 Democrats, 12 Republicans, and or other way around, other way 12 around. Democrats. Yeah, 13 Republicans, um, which is really important in today's political climate to keep it very bipartisan. We are very bipartisan. Um, and, you know, this really questioned the FDA. This has given us a lot of fodder to talk to Congress. So the homeopathy action team is truly where the hope lies. All of that, all of that hope lies in the homeopathy action team. And that's our grassroots team. That's what Laura directs. And um, it's it's an amazing group of people that are have been fighting and we've actually reopened the hat team right now, Jeannie. So if people are listening to this, we want you to really consider seriously whether or not you want to join the hat team. We don't need people joining and then realizing they don't have time and then quitting. So, um, you know, because it's a lot of burden on us to to get you onboarded, to get you coached, to answer your questions, just to lose someone, you know, four weeks to six months later or whatever. So we want you to really say no to something in order to be able to say yes to this. And um, and we can talk a little bit more about what that homeopathy action team entails. Yeah, I'd love to share just a story that um, from yesterday. Yeah, went to bed so uh, happy. <laughs> so affirming of everything we've been working on because we've been telling people that if congressional offices don't get information from their constituents, who are they going to get it from? Mm. And we've seen time and time and again, when it's kind of a new relationship, they're like, well, I checked Wikipedia. And we're like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Or um, they'll say we checked with FDA and FDA right. says this is an unapproved new drug and they'll just buy a hook, line and sinker. And we're like, no, you're supposed to be the, the branch of the government that checks the other branches. Why are you right. going to get, you know, but that's how it works. So we've said, you don't have a relationship with them. Who are they going to go to? Right. So, then so, the, so the whole goal is to is to build relation, build a relationship with your congressional office, build that rapport, make 
you have it so that you become that person, you become the expert that they're relying on for information about homeopathic medicine. And so that's exactly what happened last night on a late Friday night. Um, Congressional offices have been getting messages from their constituents about this issue. And they keep, they do keep track of that, um, how many messages they're getting. And so um, I think that this, this particular office saw that and the legislator in this case, she was one who signed our letter and has been supportive in the past, but she's really fired up apparently. And so that fires up the staff and the staff member thinks, hmm, who am I going to call and get more information about this? Of, of everyone he could have called, he called our hat member. Mm-hmm. And on a Friday night at 6.15 and um, wanted to learn more about He's like, so tell me what's going on. What's going on with the FDA finalizing this guidance? We want to do more. Um, I'm having meetings next week and I'm going to reach out to Paola and Laura. So all because of this relationship being established, he already knew, he already knew our names. He, you know, he knew exactly where to go. And I just need to say, this is worth millions of dollars. This mm-hmm. is what people pay the big bucks for lobbyists. And, and so in con in, in, when it comes to our government, there's two forms of currency. And this is what our attorney, Jim Turner, who recently passed away, um, our good friend, he, he always said there's two forms of currency in the government. One is good old cold, hard cash. And the other one is people. And if you don't have a ton of the first stuff, you need to get a lot of the second stuff to make change. And and that's what we realized. We don't have a ton of money in the homeopathy world. Our medicines actually cure people. And so we're not, you know, making millions of dollars, but we have lots of happy people who love this medicine. And that is what we need. We need to grow this homeopathy action team to get more people um, involved. And you won't even realize, you don't even realize right now the impact that you can have you know, this gal that is working with this office that Laura's talking about, she had no experience talking to staffers in DC. She didn't even know how to talk about this homeopathy from a legal, you know, a, a policy type perspective. Um, and we have this other gal, I love telling this story too. She um, joined the homeopathy action team, not sure if she's going to make much of a difference. She had no idea that that the her congresswoman was actually a, a someone in a leadership role that could really help us. No idea, but she just signs up for the hat team, do-do-do. does her training, you know, and then on the other side of that training, she has her, we call it the first date where once you complete your training, you have your very first meeting with your, your office staffer who handles health policy. And we teach you how to call and make those appointments, how to email. Like we give you guys everything that you need from soup to nuts on how to make this happen. So she has her first meeting, super nervous. Oh, I feel like I bumbled through it. And we're like, it's fine. You did great. Just, you know, then after that first date, then you need to kind of maintain the relationship. And so we provide our HAP members with drips every month. Okay, you can ask them about this or ask them this question or, you know, and we encourage them, you know, sign up to the Congresswoman's or Congressman's um, news alerts so that you, you stay up to date. Well, this woman got in her email a little notification that, oh, the the congresswoman is going to be doing a meet and greet near me, nearby. And they often do this. And she says, well, I'm going to take the day off work and I'm going to go and meet her there and see if I can just like hand her a flyer, you know, just pop in, show my face. So she takes the day off work. The morning of the the day, the meet and greet comes and it's pouring rain or terrible weather. I don't know if it was snow or what, but terrible weather, terrible driving weather. And she was going to have to drive up a mountain to get to this location. And she says, I don't know if I want to go. But ultimately, she says, you know, I took the day off. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go and face the storm and go there. So she she does. She climbs in her car, drives up the mountain, terrible weather, 
arrives, walks into the hall, and nobody is there. Everybody else decided to stay home because of the bad weather. So now she gets a one-on-one audience with this congresswoman that is a, a high-ranking leadership person and ends up having a very positive meeting, walking out with tons of support. And we were just like, oh my gosh. So now the now the staffer knows that the congresswoman is on board with this issue. So now the staffer is even more motivated to help. And this woman's like, I had no idea when I joined the hat team that I could make this level of change. Not everyone has, you know, this degree of success, but we tell everyone any kind of success is good. Some offices don't necessarily want to support this or be on point, but they're not going to oppose it. And you think that's going to be helpful when we're trying to introduce a bill? Heck yes. Hmm. So there's all these different levels of success. And and I know everyone's freaking out about this guidance, and you should be because it is not a good guidance. But the finalization of this guidance actually provides opportunities for us. And that's what we do at Homeopathy Choices. We look at the field and we say there's always hope and there's always a way for us to win here. So anyhow, just all of this energy that people are having, it mm. it translates into action. And these homeopathy action team members have been just so amazing. And um, and we we need to to get more people involved because in order to pass a bill, we need 51% of Congress mm. to to care. And so we need the majority of Congress to care. And that means we need even more people involved because not everyone's going to get their member in, you know, to support this. Mm. And so we need to flood it. We really do need to flood it. Now, let's talk a little bit, Laura, about like, you know, if you're going to say yes to this, you got to say no to something else. And so we really need people to stay committed. It does not help us at all to have a flash in the pan. Someone who shows up, Mm. does a little bit and then goes, we need long-term relationships because that's where we weave gold thread, right? So yeah, let's talk about there is, the there is an upfront investment, you know, in the training and all of that, um, a couple of hours a month, but it's all, it's do it, you know, at your own time. We have multiple ways of getting that information, written videos, study groups. To, um, and so, you know, we cater to all the different la- learning styles. Um, but yeah, it is, you, there is that upfront investment that Paula is talking about. Um, we have, these amazing dedicated volunteers. We have a, we have state captains in most states. And then we have for the states, we don't have state captains. We have uh, state captains who are graciously covering multiple states. And, and so there's just a lot of upfront investment in getting you trained um, to be able to build that relationship that we've been talking about. And once that, once you've had that first meeting, it's, you know, the workload goes down significantly. Right. We provide you, we provide you the, we provide you talking points and templates every month. You're really not having to uh, create anything from scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, you know, you are, you're, you're having to kind of navigate. We don't want it to be like a robotic relationship and it isn't for anybody. I mean, everyone takes what we give them and they really um, turn it into, you know, make it their own and make it this organic relationship that gets built. Um so anyway, yeah, it's it's really that upfront mm-hmm. investment of uh, doing the training and then and then staying committed to uh, being that being that becoming that go to person for that office. That is the ultimate goal. So we have two main roles on the hat team. One is a state captain, and the time commitment for 
um, just while you're getting trained is about three to four hours. Now, keep in mind, we already opened the hat team earlier this year. So we're reopening it right now. It's going to stay open through December. What is it, Laura? 13th? Is that Tuesday? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So it's going to stay open through December 13th. So um, state captains, you're going to have three to four hours per week while you're getting that training. And it might even be a little bit more because we've condensed the training now since we've reopened it. We're, pre we're all preparing right now for spring meetings. So when you join, you're going to want to jump in on that training. It can be done on your own time. Mm -hmm. um, your state does have um, some states are doing study groups where they're meeting, you know, regularly once a week, once a month. I'm not sure, depending on the state. And then they, they sit and discuss, they record those so it all can be done on your own time you can go to the study group if you want to you don't have to but um once you're done with that training then it goes down significantly and then the congressional lead those are the so the state captain is like the shepherd the mother hen that kind of gathers her whole state under her wings and she's gathering congressional leads and so congressional leads are in charge of one congressional district um and they their time commitment is about one to two hours a week um, during training. But again, because you're going to be doing the fast track version, um, it's the same training, just quicker dates. Mm -hmm. um, you might have to spend a little bit more time. But again, that drops off once you're done. And then it's just maintaining those relationships. Well, if you had to spend your time on anything, I think that's about as good as you possibly could. Something actually meaningful. So many people, you know, wish they had something meaningful to do in their life. <laughs> I don't think there's anything more meaningful than this. Um, actually doing something that's going to have such a profound effect in the long term. You know, everything I always do, and I know same for you ladies as well, is it's driven by my children. I would do not want to live in a world where my children and hopefully grandchildren and, you know, generations to come do not have access to homeopathy. So, you know, you can go and sit and watch Netflix for, you know, five hours a week or three hours or whatever, or you can go and do something meaningful with your life and join the hat teams and really create a strong network of people that are ready to fight for homeopathy. So, uh, Paula, is there a little um, silver lining to all of this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, time and again in history, we see that people, when they get organized and activated like this, they're successful. It just takes tenacity. And so that's what we need is we need tenacious people to join the hat team. I keep forgetting to give the URL. Maybe you could give it at the beginning of the show too, but mm. it's homeopathychoice.org forward slash hat. That is where you can read about the hat team. Really consider mm. it. Don't just sign up impulsively. Really think about it. What are you going to say no to, to be able to say yes to this? Um, but then if it, while you're considering that, there's other ways you can support us too. First, you can go to just go to our homepage, homeopathychoice.org. And on that homepage, there's um, a button that says free membership. And there you can sign up to get on our email list. It's basically our email list. We call it a membership so we can tell Congress this is our membership. <laughs> mm. So get on our email list and then also sign up on that page. You can sign up to text alerts. And so give us your phone number too, because email servers are blocking natural medicine, health, mm freedom type topics. And so we want to diversify our communications. We're not going to annoy you. We're not the action alert organization where every, you know, every other day you're going to be getting an action alert. We do give you a heads up about our insider report that we release every Monday. And then um, 
And then aside from that, uh, we do actually give action alerts when we need you to communicate with Congress or something. And so sign up to our text alerts too. Don't just do our email. And then another way you can support us is from the homepage, there's a button that says donate. And so you can give us a one-time donation or a reoccurring donation. Um, attorneys in the United States are not cheap, but the most expensive ones are in DC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in Washington, DC, and that's that's who we have. And so please consider giving a one-time donation, or you actually can become a member of the Bear Pack. Those are people that donate $25 or more a month, and they're the ones that really sustain our organization. Um, and But one-time donations can be great too, especially when people give a little bit of a larger amount, but any amount we're grateful for. Mm-hmm. So consider joining the Bear Pack because we're the mama bears and the papa bears who mm-hmm. love homeopathy like it's our bear cub and we want to protect mm-hmm. it. So, And just to so- clarify, the hack team is for... Uh, those in the U.S. who, you know, who are represented by mm. somebody, uh, congressional mm. representative in the U.S. <laughs> I mean, if you think of 25 bucks, that's just like, you know, a handful of coffees, really. It's not much to make such a huge difference. Yeah. So you exactly, you can donate your money. You can donate your time. You can just simply sign up to our email and our text alerts because we, mm. when we have those action alerts, you know, it's going to be, we're actually getting excited. We're, we're getting even more organized where um, our membership, Jeannie, our membership from this week, this is another reason we're so encouraged. Mm. It grew to over 105,000 people. Wow. And that that is just, that is such a blessing and such a resource. We have like a, a member of our hat team in, in Utah that wants to go to the congressperson's town hall. And she's like, I love for people, I would love for people in my district to just show up with me, like maybe hold up little signs. Mm. I'll do all the talking because she's a, she's a hat member. She's one that knows, but just to show up and have more bodies in the room would be so great. So we're, we're beginning to kind of, you know, broaden our, our ways for you to get involved, even if you're not necessarily a hat member. So please sign up to our email list. And if, even if you're not in the U S still sign up because there's sometimes action alerts y'all can help us with too. So, mm. Um, sign up, but definitely consider donating, but just know that the golden nugget is that homeopathy action team. And if you can say no to something else, we'd love for you to say yes to us. So, And Laura, any final messages from you? I think that covers it well. I mean, I think we've been saying that we feel very prepared for this. We're not scrambling or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're in a really good place and everyone should have a lot of hope. Laura and I went to bed on time every night this week, pretty much. So <laughs> That's a good sign. We're, we were organized. Yeah. So. The week before was a different story, but yeah. <laughs> the week before when we were trying to meet with the White House. Yeah, that was a, a different thing. But mm. Ladies, thank you so much for everything that you're doing. I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate all your incredible work. And, um, you know, Australia likes to follow America. <laughs> you know, they just like to copy everything you guys do. So even though we look like we're sitting pretty over here, it's very it's very on point for us to keep an eye on what's happening over there and what you're all doing because, you know, we're never really safe when it comes to homeopathy and we never have been the last 200 years. There always seems to be an attack on homeopathy somewhere along the line. Uh, hopefully it all goes the right way and um, certainly with all the systems you've got in place, that gives us a lot of hope. So thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome. Glad to be here. Thank you.